Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, welcome to Warrior U. Join retired Special Forces Officer Bram Connolly as he explores resilience, mental toughness, high-performing habits and other aspects that are required to develop a warrior mindset. Warrior U, it's the performance edge. Hey everyone, it's Bram Connolly here, retired Special Forces Operator and Officer with over 20 years in the Australian Army. Just before we launch into today's show, I want to tell you a little bit about the Warrior U program that forms the basis of the Warrior U website. The program has been designed to help anyone aspiring to join the Australian Defence Force. There's a tailored fitness program based on simple movements that ensures you get from zero to hero in the time frame that you have available. There's lessons on military skills and culture. Lessons are self-paced and there are quizzes to help reinforce the learning. Some of the topics include weapon types, navigation theory, survival, and there's fieldcraft lessons too, just to name a few. There's also a mental resilience block of training. The main aspect of the program though is the access to mentors who've either held positions within the Defence Force recruiting or recruit or officer instructors and even some Special Forces selection staff. So no matter what you want to do in the ADF, we have a mentor to assist and provide advice. Check out the website on www.warrioru.com.au. That's warrior and the letter U. Now, to introduce today's sponsor, and then our guest. Just when you thought you didn't need another jacket, along comes the Kill Capture Pathfinder jacket. I could bore you with all of the Spec Ops design features, but what you really want to know are the benefits of owning this piece of tough luxury. Well, you'll walk into any room and immediately dominate it. If you're wearing it for business casual, you'll close the deal. Wearing it to a sporting event, and your team's gonna win. It's light, so you can pack more things in your grab bag, and it's tougher than you are too, which let's face it, that's pretty cool, because not much else is. It comes in a military-grade Pelican case, and has a tracking beacon included, because your nemesis is gonna try and take it from you, and you'll wanna monitor that. It's a jacket of choice for Mad Dog Mattis, the actor, Dan McPherson, Nick Warner, the former head of ASUS, and I've got one too. Go to the site, www. Dot killcapture.com and use the coupon code Team Australia, all capitals. You'll love the after sale service, the quality and the styling of this limited edition special operator jacket. I wear mine with jeans and a t shirt for the weekend rides of my Norton Commando, occasionally with a dress shirt, pants when I go to tequila bars. I'll be wearing it to this year's book launch too. Pick yourself one up today. That's www.killcapture.com. Dot com. That's capture with a K. Reese and I sort of our careers have sort of shadowed each other over the years. Reese was my Reese was my platoon sergeant uh, just before we went to Timor in two thousand and one when we were in the reconnaissance platoon. So we've done live ops together um, <laughs> more than once. And um, Reese came from the third battalion and then went through the the commando training. Um, was it, you go through the commando training before Timor? You did, didn't you? Yeah. Well, of course you did. And then we and then we found ourselves 
on on the first of the counterterrorism selection courses, the environmental training and selection courses in in two thousand and two, uh, and and then we were on in the tactical assault group together for a number of years, and then we both commissioned around the same time as well to captain. So our careers sort of you know, and then if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give you guys one bit of you know gossip about the two of us, we did the same rotation a year apart, and our sons are born on the same day, a year apart. <laughs> Anyways, um, which I think is one of my favourite things. All right, so the first we'll go we'll go with Jordan's question first. As an aspiring commando, the main thing that I am most nervous about is after the training and joining a platoon, coming into a family that is already built. What would you recommend going into that part of your career? Oh, Jordan, you're way ahead of yourself, mate. <laughs> Streets ahead of yourself. I don't really know your situation. You might be a I'll have to talk to you offline about where you're at at the moment. If you're going through SFET, if you're already in the military, or if um, or if you're thinking about SFDRS, but that is that is the last thing that needs to be on your mind, mate. To be honest, and high-performing teams, those high-performing teams already know that you're qualified when you get to them, so they, you're a known quantity to them. They know exactly what they're getting, so you don't have to worry about that. They'll make you feel at home. At the end of the day, you're a reinforcement, you're a known flavour, and they'll put you to good work, Reese. Just adding to that, I would say that you know once you're a badge member, mate, that's that's the thing. You're a badge member, so you've gone through everything that selects you. You've gone through all the hard stuff to get to where you are. And I'm not saying that uh, once you get to the teams and all that kind of stuff that the um, hard stuff falls away. It actually doesn't. Mm. It, it actually gets harder. But um, but you've already proven yourself, and that's one of the big things about uh, SF selection is exactly that commando selection, SAS selection is. That's why it's called a selection course. Once you're there, you've been proven, you've been badged, you've gone through reinforcement, you're now an operator. And that means you go to work. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. The, the only time I think you will come across, in my experience, any um, backlash is they're pretty ruthless if you keep doing the same mistake hmm. multiple times. Hmm. But you're allowed mistakes but just don't do it all the time because that's when boys start getting their backs up. Because remember, at the end of the day, you're an integral part of an individual team. You know, as it, like we say, is you know, it's the difference between life and death is the bloke that's standing next to you and making sure he can do his job as well as you can. Mm. So that's the thing. So yeah. Yeah, and the good thing about the selection, you know, the selection course is it, it gives you a frame of reference for for later on in your career, so that when shit is getting hard, you've done something probably harder during your selection that's why it's so hard and there's a good question here from oscar who wants our input if there's any stigma towards young blokes trying to get directly into sf through sfdrs yes and no from my experience and my understanding at at this point in time is there's more gallantry winners that are sfdrs members than not that's interesting yeah that's interesting yeah an sfdrs guy comes to the he, he comes to the unit without in some cases without baggage but the thing I've noticed that they they come there as a really good commando. They they don't come there as a great soldier. They they miss some of the infantry experience and the ability to suck it up, the ability to paint rocks, the the ability to hurry up and wait. All sounds like minutia, but actually though the soldier that can that can be patient and suck it up generally provides you with less issues. From my experience as a platoon commander, the SFDRS guys were harder to keep motivated um, because they always wanted to be doing something. And they also, in, quite often, they, they left earlier out of the unit because they'd done what they wanted to do. That might have changed now. But yeah, 
I don't know. I think I think there's some real. I mean, I I was personally I was personally responsible for reinvigorating the SFDRS program in 2007. Other people will probably like to contest that. I'm sure. But Colonel Kenny and myself, we we re we re energize the SFDRS program and um and the amount of guys that it gives back to wider infantry is actually more than infantry gives to to commando regiment which is another great fact yeah but they're they're generally by the time you've got by the time you've got them to the start of commando course you've got some i mean they're exemplary australians for starters you don't get to the start of the SFDRS scheme unless you've passed through a paperboard of about 500 people it's ruthless you're not going to get to the start line unless you are the best of no the best of the best um, you're an exemplary Australian, you know. You are you are the top of the game because you have to be. You have you you have to be because you 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 you're basically leapfrogging two years worth of training. What do you got anything on that, Reese? Yeah, no, I'm just reading um, uh, one of Oscar's uh, bottom points there. I believe it would be easier for staff in terms of a blank canvas rather than reteach guys. Um, the thing is, is when you start selection, you, that is a blank canvas. Mm. I, the, big, the biggest thing is, is everyone knows what your military history is, and it's not about the military, your your military history anymore. It's about you as an individual and as a person. So it doesn't matter what you rock up with; they're going to reteach you anyway. Whether you're the most experienced operator in an infantry unit or you're the new kid off the block, because that that um, establishes benchmarks, okay, along the way in your training, and it gives you common training, okay. So everyone, whether you're been in for 10 years or you've been in for one year receives the same training yeah you know yeah no it's a good point all right so we've got some questions to go through let me just put the camera back very sophisticated <laughs> very sophisticated system that i'm uh, running here mate fighting for comms oh, I'm, loving it, mate. I'm loving fight, it. fighting for comms what are the this is a good one this is this is something for you and i to get our teeth into mate what are the thoughts on prolonged consumption of adf ration packs i love this Wow. Yeah, it's really good. And there's some guys that are in this group who are taking an active interest in it for other reasons. So I've thought, I want to caveat this straight away, I'm thinking about working with people to design a ration pack for SF. Um, okay. So just have just throwing that out there. I worry you, ration pack. Just, that, just that, ponder that, that for a while. Um, modular ration packs, effervescent tablets, stuff like that. Anyway. Righto, what are the thoughts on prolonged consumption of ADF ration packs? I can attribute my loss of fitness to Somalia uh, initially, the first time. So 1993, four months on MREs. The the sugar intake was, and I don't mean four months solid, and they were old MREs, not the new ones. That was four months of high-carb, low-protein, believe it or not, High carb, low protein meals, and um, we one day we got <laughs> one day we got a fresh. By the way, our cooks burnt down the kitchen, so we didn't get fresh meals because of that reason. Fucking muppets! But one day we got a fresh meal, which which was an Australian ten man ration pack where they cut up the uh, ham and egg into rounds and they barbecued it. And that was our fresh rations. So four months of that, and that that absolutely fucked me up. And I didn't know anything about nutrition like I do today back then. You know, we we are nowhere near as good at understanding what goes in our body, even now, as what as what got soldiers will be in the future. And this is another point. Cosmologists cosmologists say we know more about space travel 
we know more about the cosmos and the universe and creation than dietitians know about diet. And the reason for that is because it's such an unexact science because every single person is completely different with how food affects them. And I, I, you know, one of my best friends is a dietitian in, in, uh, in UAE and he's currently on a seven-day uh, water-only diet to see the effects on the body, which is really interesting because obviously it's a psychological experiment as much as it is uh, you know, physiological. So in answering the prolonged consumption of ADF ration packs, it's terrible for you. It's absolutely terrible. And we supplement, we supplement as much as we can with things like protein powders. And there's no, you know, when, when we were in Afghanistan, special forces had a ration of two myoplex drinks per day because we're all carrying probably 10 kilos more muscle than the regular infantry guy. And to maintain that, you need to smash a certain amount of protein. Um, yeah, shipping containers full of myoplex. Yeah, what do you reckon, Reese, about the rations, mate? Yeah, look, you know, um, long consumption is never a good thing. I remember being in Iraq and very similar uh, to you, Bram, you know, consuming uh, dehydes or MREs from the Yanks for prolonged periods of time. You back up. It's not good for you. It's not good for your health and everything like that. And, you know, you do need a substitute of nutrition to get your body back into its normal routine on ration packs it just stops that stops your normal routine your normal bodily functions all that type of stuff and there's a reason for that because generally you're in the field um you know you're you're not around you know you can't just take a shit anytime you want basically yeah and you we and, and that's what ration packs do you know they and, back you up and we trialed we tr- we trialed the effects of nutrition on the tactical assault group we did two exercises that were really similar one of them on party pies hot dogs gatorades mars bars and shit like that yeah remember that and then about three weeks later and it was csiro that managed it and then about three weeks later we did the same exercise on fruit vegetables lean chicken you know as much as you could eat and and everyone said that we felt better during the planning cycle eating clean um in fact that was one of the that was one of one of the things that I did in my military career that stuck with me the most um, was that study. So I sort of, you have to understand the effect of what processed and junk carbs does on your body. Yeah, it's not, I, I, I don't think it's there for, I don't think there's, when we talk nutrition, there's, there's no nutritional value in a ration pack. It's just to keep you going. Yeah. That's what it's there Yeah, you're for, not, you're not, you know? you're not even sustaining it's, it. And it's not doing anything like no, it's no. not helping you reach ketosis. It's no, it's not helping to do anything. You're mate. not able to you use know, it's that for you fuel. Sugar. Yeah, hundred percent. And I don't know about you, mate, but I know more about training and nutrition now than what I did when I was in. And, and yeah. when you look at the way we train these days, you know, taking it away from the ration pack, or not even taking it away from the ration pack, the way we eat, mm. you know, um, yeah. through our own education, not what the army's given us. Yeah, I mean, I would have had a hundred and fifty. Red Bulls on my second trip. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have had five. I'd have had five. I'd have had five every every day of every mission. Um, I probably wouldn't do, probably wouldn't do that so much now. Um, broccoli and chicken now, mate. Broccoli chicken. Yeah, my wordy, mate. Um, all right. Put in some cauliflower. You're good to go. What do I think an army ration pack would look like, though? <clears throat> I think that it needs to have it needs to have Beef jerky in it for starters. It needs to have some sort of a protein 
UH, U, UHL drink, UDL drink, UDL, UHT, UH, not UDL, it's dark and stormies with rum. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to have a, a some sort of a, a UHT or whatever it is drink. Um, yeah, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to consume alcohol on ops, mate. You know that. Yeah, never did that ever. <laughs> um, and I'd supplement fresh, fresh. I mean, I'm I'm a carnivore. Ninety percent of the time, I eat, I eat meat. Ninety percent of the time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and then I might eat a salad if I'm feeling, you know, conscious. But um, and egg, and huge amounts of eggs. I mean, for me, the dehydes were probably the were probably the pick of the bunch. The the jungle dehydes when you've got enough water. Yeah. And so I, I was just about to add to that. Fuck, we used just, to eat them you know, in the jungle with no water. That must yeah, fuck, that must fuck you yeah. up. So I just look at it and it, it just depends on, you know, what you've got available. So like you're talking about right now, it's having a selection of rations, not just one specific ration. You you eat, you know, bloody uh, dehydes or the M- USMREs con- uh, consistently. Like they, those things, like, do your health over because mm. generally they're high in carbs, high in sugar, you know, it just stuffs you. Uh, and then you have a look at dehydes where you've got to have water, you know, um, so they're a different type of supplement mm. to say. And then if you look at the traditional ration pack, that's different again. Yeah. You know, you've got chocolates, you've got lollies, you've got all these different things. So, you know, it's, it's Which one is of often those things where It's I often just a boredom a boredom thing for guys now, well, just eating. To... Here's, the, here's the question I would ask is this, you know, and this may shed a bit more light on, on the ration pack saga is that you don't, eat ration packs for extended periods of time anymore, you know, and Mm. it's because of the nature of the operation. Unless, you know, you're doing a long lerp, and I get that, I mean... But even then, you're carrying carrying stuff. You're carrying, you know, and you're getting, you know, you can get a fresh ration drop Mm. these days because your logistic support chain is that um, uh, adequate, proficient, whatever you want to call it. And, and in counterinsurgency, you know, um, you're paying villages to make your food and eating with yeah. them. Mate, and you know as well as I do, as long mm. as you've got water, you're good to go. Yeah, okay, so so amino acids and, and niacinamide, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> we definitely don't have niacinamide. Anyway, um, yeah, amino acids, I mean, again... Oh, smart. Yeah, again, amino acids, yeah. Again, there's, the, the, the jury's out on whether or not amino acids actually do anything. I mean, that's the elephant yeah, but in the once room. Again, you know, the, I mean, of course, the, amino acids like do ours. something. Because yeah, it, it's what well, meat one is. Thing that, it's what protein the is. The one thing that uh, mm. Robbo's mentioned in there about electrolyte powders and all that, you know, there's a common common theme that comes out with all those, and that is you need water. Mm. Okay? Um, what was it? What was the um, C4? No, it wasn't C4. What was it? No explode. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. My skin just tingled. That without, yep. I know guys used to use that, and when I say use it, I mean no water whatsoever. Just get that stuff in a scoop, put it under your tongue, and away you went. You know, so you got a pure hit out of that stuff. So, but once again, if you're doing that, it's dehydrating you, so you need yeah. water. Yeah, you know, sure. and that's that's always the biggest thing on any bloody job we ever went on was, you know, as long as you're hydrated, you're pretty right. You can eat, do whatever you need to do. If you haven't got water, then it becomes a bit of an issue. All right, let's move on yeah, from the ration. Definitely water heavy. Let's move on from the ration stuff. Um, oh, hey, I want, I want to see that. I want to see that SF ration pack, mate. I yeah. Want to see 
Yeah, I think we need to do it. Need to do a warrior, a warrior you Russian pack. Um, I hear people say don't overtrain for army and SF. What does that even mean? Um, I've never heard anyone say that. What was that one? Sorry. I hear people say don't overtrain for army and special forces. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What does that even mean? I don't even you can't know what that over- means today, to tell you the truth. My- <laughs> so first of all, let's get, we'll put this to bed straight away, right? So first of all, in my mind, there's no such thing as overtraining. None of us on this pot, none of this, none of us on this face group live will ever be guilty of overtraining because we're not elite athletes. Elite athletes might overtrain sometimes, but that volume is yeah. massive, so it's not a real thing for us. For the normal person, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think if they're talking about you know training for selection, I, I don't know, I can't see that question, but um, mm. I think if they're training for selection, there's a period of when you peak. Mm. If that's what you're talking about when you talk about overtraining, say you spike, mm. you know we've always we've all spiked in in training, we've all regressed in training and then spiked again. Mm. But it just depends on what you're doing. Like you just said, Ashley Graham, it's it's what you're doing at the time. I mean, you mm. can you know um, get yourself to a actually. Mm. And here's the other one: it's mate, if you're in barracks and you you're not going outside the wire and you bloody. Mm. Um, back home in Australia and you're training, it's completely different mm. than when you're on operations doing the same. I mean, I'd, I'd, train, I'd train smarter, not longer. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, Jordan's just said that he runs 20Ks at 4am and then 15 kilometers after dinner. That's fine if you're doing that you know, once or twice a week. That volume's nothing. When I, was doing, when I was training for triathlon, I was running probably 120 kilometers a week and riding probably 300 and swimming 5K. So and that wasn't overtraining, but but it had an effect on my body. It made me skinny. Well, we had one of one of one of our um, former commanders. He used to he used to run twenty thirty k's every morning, you know. And even going back to the ration thing, and you'd remember this, Bram. I won't say his name, but um, he used to eat fruit the oh. whole time. Oh, he's one of the he's, he's one of the he's one of the people that's had the biggest impact on most of our careers. Love him or love him or yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm, yeah. Um, okay. When the selection board for SF asked, what makes you so special? Why would we want you? What did you say? Well, they didn't ask me that because... No, I was about to say that too. They do do that now, the selection board. They do ask questions like that. I'll do that. Yeah, they do. Um, what makes you so special? Trick question. Uh, why would we want you? You know... I mean, th- these things are. This is HR 101, right? It's it's the. If you haven't read it yet, there's a book by the All Blacks. Um, I think it's called the Fifteen Rules of the All Blacks or something like that. And basically, what they're trying to do is weed out the dickheads. And we and we had a guy. We had we had we had a guy when I was the. <laughs> we had a guy when I was the OC of selection who, when we said to him, "Tell us something that you've failed," and he says. 
Oh, I've never failed anything. And I've gone, oh, well, I'm just so glad to be here today to see you fail your first thing ever. You know, because because we don't want guys who aren't humble. You can't be trainable. You're not trainable if you're not humble, period. So if they're asking you what makes you so special, look, a few of my strengths might be this, but I also have these weaknesses. And I think that I am consistent. I consistently apply myself. I'm just an average guy who consistently applies himself, you know, or something to that effect, you know. So you need a, you need you need confidence and humility. Why would we want you? That's a tough question to answer. Why would we want you? Because I'm trainable. Because I'm trainable, and I'll I'll do what's required of me, and I also think outside the box, and will provide solutions that maybe others won't. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think those. Like, you know, those questions, and they're, they're very individual questions, you know, and that's the thing. I don't think, you know, uh, is that question being asked to prepare for that question? Mm, maybe. Um, be- because if it is, you've got to come up with your own answer. You can't take it from, you know, anyone else, basically. Mm. Because one thing you'll do, and this is where, you know, answering a question like that goes, is that you end up lying about it because it's actually not your thoughts. Mm. You've taken them from someone else. Mm. And then you've you've said, you've regurgitated what someone else has told you. And, then you, and you don't even believe that. And that's when you'll get into trouble. And then you can't back it so, up. No, you can't. And so what I would say is that, you know, if you do get ans- uh, 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 asked those questions, is answer them honestly. Mm. Answer them the way you would answer them. Mm. not the way someone else would answer them. Mm. That's what I would do. Mm. This is my safety. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, look, you know... I've I mean, watched a lot of movies. You know, everyone's... <clears throat> yeah, look, every, everyone's full of beans and, you know, there's... You know, you get answered or asked a question like that and you can stand up there with all the bravado and all that and all that, but you don't know at what point you're going to be asked that question either. I've got a level three respawn on Call of Duty. Like, I know the tactics. <laughs> yeah, that's but, you know, you're not going to... You may be oh, 10 days in to your selection if you get through it to that phase. Yeah, and, and, then and to, be honest, you won't, to be honest, you won't remember anything at that point. No, 100%. So you, you just got to answer it truthfully and don't, don't bullshit about it. Don't take other people's answers. Just answer it the way you would answer it. But get rid of that, you know, all that bullshit bravado and, you know, oh, because I'm the toughest motherfucker in the world. Who gives a shit, mate? Righto? Hey, someone asked a question about fighting, actually. Um, <clears throat> someone asked what was the best martial arts to do if if thinking about going to SF in the future. Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Or... Yeah. Or... Uh, or, or, or Or judo, if... if if yeah, yeah. Young, any any of the grappling sports, younger, I would say. If you're younger, mm. yeah. So any if you if you're a wrestler, a grappler, that type of thing, I think that's really good. I mean, mm. um, yeah, I, I think they're the true hand to hand combat sports. Mm. You know, I mean, you can do karate and all that kind of stuff, and that's good for discipline and all that type of stuff. But when it comes to hand to hand fighting and close quarters fighting, I think um, what is it? Greco Roman wrestling, wrestling, BJJ, those ones. It's all good. Judo. I think BJJ probably gives you the best um, combat mindset. Although, you know, I think boxing as well is probably, you know, if if you're already doing boxing, just stick with that because it's it's kinetic 
and it's there's a, there, at a certain level there's a type of skill to it that you can't get from any other um yeah look and, and there's always been that debate you know that the stand-up fight uh, versus the ground fight so you know as a boxer you know that's great when you're standing up but once you're down on the ground and generally a fight goes to the ground um what do you do then you know mm. uh, and that's why you know that's why i like bjj is because it gives you the skills and and what you said that mindset that fighting mindset that calmness mm. um you know I, I haven't found it in any other martial art apart from bjj to a certain extent not oh. to, not to, well that's incorrect not to the level yeah um that i found in bjj you know. so mm. there you go yeah and besides that oh unless you're jj and you've got a black belt a third dan and a keto and a two a second dan in mate karate and mate a- he's got eight he's got eight black belts he's a nutbag so anyway my son's a yellow belt in karate that pretty much makes me a yellow belt um <laughs> i've just got combat mindset <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, combat combat mindset that's what i hundred percent dude combat mm. mindset it's what it is yeah i i, I crouch cover knee kick etc <laughs> cqc close quarter combat. yeah okay so there's stuff like that and and i think with you know if you if you talk to jj about this you know, he yeah, will, JJ's the black talk he, about. And he will tell you anything where you're controlling the other person's head and neck. Because as soon as you control those, you know, and that can be beating him to submission in the head and neck, or it can be locking them into submission, or, you know, it can be striking those things that, that many times that they can't do anything back to you. But to answer that question properly, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy answer, is BJJ. If, if you're thinking about going to SF right, in the future, right. yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. Things like Muay Thai and stuff like that's all great for physical conditioning and and, yep. and will give you a certain amount of um, ability on the street. But the problem is if, you, if you're part of a team, the reason we do grappling the way we do it is if you're part of a team, you will use your weapon against people who might not be the enemy to stop them. And you may have to take that person to the ground so the rest of the team can go over the top of you. Um, and you can't do that with, you know, spinning back fists and shit. Yeah, um, ICS or in, uh, what is it, Integrated Combat Solutions, mm. takes in takes into consideration a lot of um, fighting arts, I suppose you'd call it. You know, mm. from standing up to bloody being on your back to being on top. It's you know, it takes into consideration a lot of the martial arts. But as a grounding martial art, you know, if you if you're not into fighting that much, um, to learn the techniques and get get that calmness, I call it a calmness in a fight. Um, BJJ is what I would recommend. The thing I've noticed these days with MMA coming on the scene the way it has in Australia is that you don't know what someone can do now. So being able to train BJJ anyway is probably a good. Um, might get you out of a little bit of trouble, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fighting anyone in the street. I don't go to, I don't go to any fights that aren't stacked in my favour, whether that's a gunfight or a bloody. Look, I think I won, I won my last fight by about three hundred metres, Matt. So that was good. I won my last fight by three <laughs> milli dots of windage to the left. <laughs> Range me. Um, although there was, yeah. Anyway, no. Nah. So. What do you think is the largest difference in an SF soldier's mindset to a standard ADF soldier? Oh, that's, that's, um, I mean, come on. 
Give us something hard to answer. An SF guy is specially selected and specially trained, and they are trained for resi- they are selected for resilience, and they are selected for trainability. Um, so so mentally, mentally, we we pick the people who are easier to train and will be more resilient. And some ADF wider ADF soldiers, wider army soldiers, just don't want to be SF. That's the other mindset difference. They're not in the military to do that stuff. They don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, look, and the other one I would put there is exposure. So being an SF soldier or being in an SF unit, you get a lot more exposure than you would as an ADF. So I don't like the the standard there. I mean, there's nothing standard about an ADF soldier. Mm. But, um, But... the exposure you get as an SF is far greater than what you get as a normal line, uh, what I call Green Army soldier. Okay, and that is the difference. I remember I've spoken to Warren Officer Class 1s that are, you know, 25, 30 years of experience uh, in the training realm or on operations as an, as an infantryman. Mm. Um, and they're, they're not at the level that I thought they would be at when it comes to command and control um the ability to coordinate that type of stuff and that that comes down to exposure that's what that is you know if you've never been exposed to something you don't know what it's about you don't know how to act uh, in that given situation so that's the difference yeah i guess you know i mean directly answering that he said you know what's the difference in an sf soldier's mindset you know i guess if you if you're just looking at mindset there's a certain professionalism that we seek or, or a non-willingness to accept mediocrity in the mindset, which it's hard because I, I, I don't want to, you know, first of all, a soldier is not a, a soldier is not a soldier, a soldier, you know, infantry soldier is different than a, you know, someone who's a soldier first and a cook second or a soldier first and a transport guy third, you know, whatever, but, but they're still excellent at the things they want to do they still are striving for excellence in their roles um and and same with infantry guys you know i know some infantry guys who never went for sf had no intention of jesus they're good soldiers you know some of the snipers that i've worked with over the years in the sniper concentrations that didn't have any aspirations to go sf but they were bloody good snipers one of them comes to mind actually a warrant officer mindset i think mindset I don't think I think it's like comparing apples and oranges now think of it you know you're not comparing the same thing when you're comparing mindsets um, it's not fair on the wider army to compare an SF so if we just want to say what is the mindset of an SF soldier it's one of um, striving for excellence you know toughness not fitness conversation not denigration what else am I missing stewardship not ownership stewardship not ownership yeah so you know they're seeking they're seeking that that professional excellence. Mm. Yeah, and it's pride as well. Having pride in yourself, pride in, in the blokes around you, pride in your unit, that's that's a different mindset as well. Mm. You know, I, I think, you know, I never thought um, for my mindset it wasn't about training because everything we were doing was operationally focused, mm. you know, and that takes a different mindset. Mm. Like you've got to be on the whole time and it's not... Uh, not until you get out that you find out exactly how high tempo you were at um, when you're part of the unit, in the unit, doing what you need to do. And that, that is a mindset all in itself. Um, and it's a selfish mindset, if I can throw that in there. 
to a certain extent. Mm. Um, it becomes very selfish in the way that, uh, you know, not much else matters on the outside. It's all about, you know, you being in the unit, being mm. with the team and... Um, it's a tribe. Being, being part of it. Yeah, being part of the tribe, man. Mm. Once you're part of the tribe, it's a very hard thing to, you mm. know, throw away at the end of the day. Yeah, true. It's all well and good to talk about SF all the time, but the first thing you need to be able to do is get into the military. So I think that should be something that people should be should be focusing on is that that shock of capture from going from civilian life to to the army. I mean, just having your head shaved, your bed thrown out the window, and having to pour a water bottle over your head at three in the morning in the hallway, like that's enough for some people to, to never get to SF selection because they didn't make it through Kapuka, the one, the first recruit training battalions. Yeah. Mm. So, so I mean, let's focus on, you know, let's eat, let's eat the elephant, uh, one one mouthful at a time, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know about you, Brent, but I remember being, at, you know, my first week at Kapuka, um, all those years ago. Um, it was absolutely quite daunting it, it, because it, in a way, Kapuka is your first selection. Okay, because that's you, a good way to put it. It's it's, it's the unknown man. It is. You don't know what you've got yourself into. And look, you can read all the books in the world and watch all the movies and listen to the recruiters and mm. all that until you're bloody pounding it out on the pavement. You've got no idea what, you, what you're getting yourself into. So Kapook is your first selection. And I, I've seen, you know, on my course, uh, on my recruit training course, I can't remember how many people left on the first week, mm. you know. Um, you hear this thing in the Navy SEAL program, they call it Hell Week, which is a five days is absolute hell. Well, they used to call Hell Week week one at Kapuka mm. when I went through. The same as you, Bram, it would mm. have been the same. Mm. And um, and basically, if you got through that week, you might get through week two. You were just yelling. But there's so many constantly. guys would just walk out the door in week one, you know, because it's a mental change. So if we look at age... Uh, uh, the age difference as well. So I was seventeen. I was eighteen years old when I joined, and I remember uh, there was a couple of guys that were in their twenty fours, twenty fives. So they had more life experience than I had, mm. um, you know. But some of them quit mm. still, mm. you know. And this is the thing. Um, and I remember years later being a recruit instructor myself. I couldn't believe that I actually, you know, after being through recruit training as a recruit and then years later I went back as one of the instructors mm. to see the other side of things and seeing uh, seeing it from that side opened my eyes even further to the mental issues that an individual goes through on a daily basis because mm. and you'll have the same you'll have the same issues when you do selection for SF or any other type of selection as well because what you have is excuses now when I say excuses like it's not you turning around having an excuse an excuse is having a family at home that loves you and wants you to be at home mm. that's an excuse mm. this week's episode is sponsored by sword special operations research and development so, I should say up front that I know the founder of SORT. We were in the tactical assault group together. In fact, we were in the same team during our CT training. And in the years that followed, much of the load carrying equipment that I trusted in some of the harshest places on earth was supplied by SORT. It's no stretch to say that this equipment is built by operators for operators. Actually, come to think of it, 
my first ever plate carrier was sword. And at one stage, probably every piece of field kit that I carried had been purchased either by myself or the unit. Check out the website, and by using the code WARRIOR, you can receive 10% off the listed price on any item. That's 10% off just by using the code WARRIOR. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.